I'm here with Dave Ashish. Namaskar, brother. Namaskar. So tell me the, uh, the year, the place, and why you got initiated. Well, the year was 1975. It was August, and I was a, a university student at Duke University, which is Nor- Nor- Durham, North Carolina in the U.S., so um, one day I was uh, I was in my dorm I think I was in my dorm room, and I was reading a book by Timothy Leary. And Timothy Leary was known as the father of the psychedelic movement or the grandfather of the psychedelic movement in the U.S. And since I was rather involved with that movement, um, I enjoyed his books. So I was reading one of his books, and he mentioned Zen. And I, I didn't know what Zen was. So I was curious. Um, I went to the library and got a book out on Zen. And I started reading it. And within the first a couple of pages, it talked about the concept of enlightenment. And when I read that, it was as if a light went off in my head. And I remember very clearly the thought came, if this is true, if such a thing exists, then this is worth dedicating my entire life to. And if it doesn't exist, if it's not true, then I don't see what point life has anyhow. So I was excited, and I read a couple more pages, and then it said that if you want to achieve enlightenment, you have to meditate. And then I remembered that in the student union, I had seen a poster or a couple of posters about meditation classes. I hadn't paid any attention to it. It's not something I had ever thought about. But I so I went immediately down to the student union to see the posters. And I remember there were two posters side by side. One was for transcendental meditation. And it was, I believe, $35 at that time for for the course. And the other one was announcing uh, an uh, Anandamarga monk was coming in a couple of days to the university to give a talk and to teach meditation. And that was free. So I chose the free option. And I went to uh, a couple days later, he would, and this was Dadarud or not. And at that time, uh, he would come on, on tour uh, twice a year to, to that part of the, the country. There were not very many Acharyas at that time. So, but it so happened he was coming two days later. So I went to his talk and I remember a couple of things that he was talking about. I really wasn't paying that much attention. I really just wanted to get to the end of the talk so he, I could learn meditation. Um, and But I remember he talked about the mantra and how the mantra gradually uh, elongates the waves of the mind until the waves of the mind reach infinity. That caught, caught my attention. I thought, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. Focused on learning meditation. So at the end of the, the talk, uh, a few students hung around to talk to him. Uh, Chandrasekhar, uh, who now lives in North Carolina, in uh, Florida, he had, he was a graduate student at that time in the, in the law school. And he had invited Dada and he announced that he was going to be giving a class on yoga meditation beginning the, the coming week. He invited everybody. But then afterwards, I, I stopped, talked to Dada. I said, I wanted to learn meditation. And then he invited me back to Chandrasekhar's apartment so that he could he could teach me. Um, so I went there and um, 
um, that have taught me to meditate, you know, the most basic form of meditation that, that we learn. And, um, and then I started attending uh, Chandrasekhar's class after that. So it was a normal, typical Anandamarga class. He would give some asanas for about 45 minutes and do about 10 minutes of meditation. Gradually, after some weeks, he started introducing sitting kirtan and then later dancing kirtan. I remember feeling very self-conscious the first time that I did kirtan. And he would give a little talk about different concepts after the class, uh, mantra, uh, diet, these kind of things. So I, I continued with the, the class for some time, but I really didn't pay any attention to Anandamarga or to Baba. At that time, I was an atheist, and I was rather a little bit revolted with the idea of God um, because of my upbringing. Uh, and, and I remember I bought early on one of Baba's books. It was uh, Baba's Grace. And I read a couple of pages, and I didn't like it because it was all talking about God and devotion, these things. So I basically... I. Um, I put it down, never opened it again. And I started reading a lot of other books, um, to, to feed my fascination with meditation and what I was learning about spirituality. Um, but at some point, uh, it, it changed. And I remember we had a, um, a, a small retreat for the people who were in that class and it was in March. So this was about, uh, maybe um, say seven, eight months into, into my practice. And I remember shortly before that, I had gone back and started opening up the book again. And then I, I realized uh, I, I ha didn't have any more reaction about Baba talking about God in the book. And something had changed in my mind. And I, I, I had realized that what uh, all the the different saints and sages in the books that I was devouring at that time were talking about really had nothing to do with uh, the concept of God that I had been raised on in the Catholic Church. So somehow, without realizing it, I I was no longer an atheist. And so um, just to finish up with with this story, um, so I went to the um, to this. To this retreat, a small retreat, about 20 people. They're all students in the class. It was a beautiful place. It was uh, Acharya Rudrani's mother's house uh, by the ocean in North Carolina. And by that time, I had already decided that I was at the end of the semester, which would end in, in May or June. Uh, I was going to drop out of school, go to India and look for my guru. I had I, I had never even thought of the possibility that that Baba was my guru, but I was really inspired by them by autobiography of Yogi and how Yogananda had had found his guru walking down the street in Benares one day. Um, so that that was on my mind, and it was on the Saturday. It was noontime, and I was meditating, doing the new meditation. And I, that story was in my mind, and I was just thinking about, okay, in a couple more months, school's going to be over, and I can start uh, go to India and start my search for a guru. And at that moment, for the first time, the, uh, the thought entered my mind um, that could, could Anandamurti be my guru? And Baba, of course, at that time was, was in jail. I remember we had, one day we had... Um, 
we had signed a card there in the class that Chandrasekhar had brought to send, send to India. And at that moment, I opened my eyes and Baba's photo was on the altar there. It was the gentleman's photo, the, the old gentleman's photo, not the one that was taken after Baba came out of prison. And when I looked at Baba in that beautific smile that you see in that photo, I saw Baba's face dissolve into white light. And I was uh, a kind of, uh, I don't know, flabbergasted, perplexed, shocked. And I kind of closed my eyes and looked again. And then gradually it, the light dissolved and it came back to, to seeing Baba's face. And at that point I said, my God, this means that you're my guru, but you're in jail. What am I going to do now? And um, so that's after that I started making plans to go to LFT training. So that was how, you know, how I got into it <laughs> at that time. Right. And um, tell us about when you finally got to meet Baba. Um, so, uh, so I went to LFT training after the semester ended. And I was posted to the Jagati in Los Altos. And in, I remember that uh, I met Didi Mitra um, sometime in, I forget if it was late 76 or maybe early 1977. She was touring with Dada Abhidevananda. And uh, I found out through some conversations with them that they were working on a way to get Baba out of jail. Uh, not necessarily an entirely uh, above board way to get Baba out of jail, but that's another conversation. But I got to know Didi a little bit. She was in the Jagrati for a couple of days. I also got to, to know Dada a little bit. And then, um, so uh, some months passed. It was the summer of 19, uh, 1977. Um, the emergency ended, I believe it was May 22nd that the emergency ended. And shortly after that, I remember I got a call in the Jagrati that Didi Mitra had gotten permission to see Baba in the jail. And when the call came during the day, but I remember I was so excited that when I heard that news, that all I could think about was how to get to India to see Baba. And that night I couldn't sleep. Not even, not for a single second. All I was just rehearsing my plans. What can I do? Um, so I chalked out a plan. I, I got a temporary job for a few weeks uh, to make a little money. I called my parents uh, to see if there was any way I could borrow money from them. I didn't hold out much hope because um, I had dropped out of university to to work for what they thought was a cult. In fact, one time when I was on tour with Dada Sarvabodananda, my father uh, flew to California to rescue me. He came to the Jagrati to bring me back to the East Coast of the U.S. But fortunately, I was in another state touring with Dada, and I found out about it when I got back. So I didn't hold out much hope, but I remember I was talking to my mother on the phone. I explained that I wanted to go to India to meet my guru. And she said, well... Um, uh, let me talk to your father about it. And she called me back uh, some, a little while later and said, well, we had been planning on uh, sending you to Europe after you graduated from university, which is common for, you know, um, a gra common graduation present for, for students in those days. 
So it looks like you're not going to graduate. So we decided we'll give you this money to go see a guru. So between those few weeks that I got a temporary job and uh, the money my parents gave me and some money that Jagadish Ananda, the present Jagadish Ananda, uh, loaned me, uh, he was uh, not yet in Acharya at that point. And he was also living in the Jagadish with me. So um, we got it together and um, uh, we, we flew to India, Jagadish Ananda and myself. And when we arrived in Patna, it was August of 1977. And I remember we, we, uh, we went straight from the airport uh, to the train station in Delhi. We just asked, you know, uh, the taxi driver would bring us to the train station. We didn't know that there were two train stations. So we, we got to, uh, the driver took us to the old Delhi station. And we asked um, the first person we met there, well, what's the next train leaving for Patna? And they directed us to a train. It turned out to be the slowest train in India. It was called the Junta Express. And it was anything but an express train because it stopped at most of the stations on the way. So instead of taking uh, a fast train, would take, I, I think it's 16, it's 12 hours, 16 hours to get to Patna. It took maybe 30 hours. Um, and we didn't have a reservation. So it was a very uncomfortable trip. But at the same time, we were so, uh, so animated about seeing Baba that uh, it didn't really matter yet. So, um, when we got to Patna at that time for seeing Baba in the jail, um, there was, uh, you had to jump through a number of hoops. There was some official, um, uh, things that had to be taken care of. You had to get, a number of signatures on your application form. And I believe the superintendent of prisons, I believe the governor in Patna was one of them and several others. So we spent several days going around in Patna to get these signatures. And um, so finally we got the signatures and Dada Ramananda um, you know, fixed the day that we were uh, going to see Baba. And the day before, I believe it was, since we finally had the signatures, I spent the entire day finally just walking around Patna uh, uh, to see the city. Um, and it was well over 40 degrees at that time. And when I came back to the Jagriti, I came down with a sunstroke. And um, I was really in bad shape. I could barely, I had to, to, to lie down. I could barely stand. At the next day, was the um was our 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 visit to see Baba. And so it, uh, everybody, you know, there um it, especially Jagadishananda and uh Sudira who was also arrived in India a little before us. He now lives in on the Kanan. Um they counseled me, well maybe it's best you don't go. You, you know, you can hardly you can hardly stand. I said, No, I've been waiting my entire life to see Baba. I'm not gonna wait one more day. Um I had only been a Margi two years, but I had that feeling that in my entire life I was waiting for this moment. So um they they helped me as best could got to the to the um to the jail, to Bankipur jail. And when at that time, uh, the, they would bring you into a room once you came into the ante room in the jail. 
And uh, there were a couple of uh, CBI officers who were stationed there, and they had they would check the documents of each person and ask them a few questions. And I remember Sudhir had to hold me up. Um, we kind of disguised it because I was very, very wobbly. Uh, I was running extremely high fever. And um, but they weren't uh, the, the the CBI officer wasn't even looking at us. He was just looking at the documents on the desk. So I, I, he didn't seem to notice. But just before we went in, we had to meet with the jail doctor. And the jail doctor was uh, was a devotee of Baba and and his wife was initiated. He would get initiated shortly after Baba came out. But at that time, he was already a devotee. And when he saw my condition, he said, look, you know, you're in no condition to see Baba. You can, you'll be able to get permission to come in next week. Really, I advise you to, to, to not go this time. But I told him the same thing that I, I, I told Jagadish and Sudhira. I can't wait another day. I've been waiting my entire life. And he finally, he shrugged his shoulders and uh, he said, okay. He told a wonderful story. At that time, I put that in the Jamal Poor years, I believe, in the, in the footnotes. So I won't mention that right now. So, um, so I was basically in a delirious state. My my mind was swimming. I was running extremely high fever, um, and I don't remember very much of the details. What I remember specifically about that time is. When we, there was like a little patio right in front of, of Baba's, um, we could call it a cell, but really it was like a little concrete room with a door that, uh, as I remember, there would be like, a, there was like a curtain that would, was covering the door and that was, uh, pushed to one side. And the very first thing I saw as we approached the door, Baba's caught uh, was on the left side of that room and his face was to, toward the back of the room, his feet towards us. And as we entered the door, uh, my first sight of Baba was Baba's eyes. And there was, I felt such a magnetism coming from Baba's eyes. It was as if, um, uh, to use a Star Trek image, you know, that I was caught in force field. And that was all I could, Baba's eyes were so magnetic, even from a distance of a few meters as I was entering, that that became my entire world in that moment. And it was, um, I mean, I was delirious, but at the same time, I, uh, um, I was overcome by the, by the emotion of that experience of seeing Baba. And so we did Sastang Pranam. And... I don't remember much of the rest of that first visit, um, but I will tell uh, a little story about afterwards. So, um, and Baba gave us some some prasad, but I don't really remember anything that Baba said because of the you know the physical state I was in. But when we got back to the Jagrati um, in Patna, um, I I had to I had to lie down immediately. And I was still in this kind of delirious state. And while I was, you know, it's like half dreaming, um, um, half asleep. And then I saw Baba. Baba appeared in front of me in, in, my, in my daydream or, um, uh, or actual dream. And he said, you should eat some lemons. 
not lemon water, but eat directly some lemons. So I, 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 I okay, Baba, I'll do that. And so I asked somebody, can, can you get, bring me some lemons? And somebody, it was probably Jagadish under, maybe got them from the kitchen, but he brought like five or six of those small green lemons that, that you, you find commonly in India. And he, they cut them open for me and he ate them one by one without any water. And within half an hour or 45 minutes, I started feeling better. And within an hour or two, my fever was completely gone and I could, I could get up and walk around. So that was my first experience of seeing Baba. And um, so after that, um, I went to Anandagar and I was, uh, I would be living there and I, I would spend the next year or so in India. And I, um, at that time, you had to wait approximately about two months before you could apply again to get permission to see Baba. I don't remember if that was because of the government regulations or it was because of um, just a schedule of how many people wanted to go and see Baba. But it was basically a minimum of two months. So more or less around, uh, oh, I should mention one more thing. No, no, no. Yeah, from that first, I do remember something <laughs> from, that, from that first visit of the Baba. This, uh, yeah. It was Shravarni Purnima, actually, in August of 1977. Um, I didn't know what Shravarani Panima was, but Baba explained it for us during that, that visit. And he says Shravarani Panima was the day that Lord Shiva initiated his first disciple on the earth 7,000 years ago. So Baba explained, he told a little story about Shravarani Panima, and, um, and then he gave a message um, for the Margis. You see, Baba, you know, his Anandavanis were uh, always Anandapurnima New Year's, but there were a couple of times that Baba gave Vanis on Shravarni Purnima in the early 50s. So he gave a message. I believe later on it may have been collected in, in Anandavani Samgraha. I'm not sure of that, but I'm sure of the message because that was engraved on my mind and also Jagadish Anandas and, and Sudhira's mind and the Dada's uh, as soon as we came out, they asked us what Baba said, so we told them the message and they wrote it down. It was, let all my loving children be loved by all good people of the universe. So that, yes, <laughs> that that much of, of that first visit, I do remember. Um, so uh, the... The next time I saw Baba was in October. So I went after letting a suitable amount of time go by, I was able to return to uh, to Patna from Anandagar and apply for permission once again to see Baba. And by that time, um, uh, my life had changed quite a bit because um, I had been doing intense sadhana in Anandagar, um, having got got and received a kind of stunning lesson review when I arrived there. And uh, Darchik Ananda had given me my fifth and sixth lessons in that time as well. So I, uh, um, I was much more prepared for seeing Baba a second time, much more spiritually prepared, much more mature as a Margi when I went back the second time. Uh, I would end up seeing Baba four times in the prison. 
But this second time for me was a kind of um, a dividing point in my life um, because of the experience I had with Baba there. So I'll tell that story. So um, after we got the permission, I remember I was standing outside of um, the, uh, there is like a courtyard in front of the entrance to the Banquipur jail. And uh, in by that time, when I would go back to Patna, and in the coming mo- coming months, whenever I returned to Patna, to Patna to try to get once again permission to see Bob in the jail, um, I would often go there for those preceding days when I was in Patna um, and sit outside the jail. And um, because at that point there would be Marty visitors coming from around the world. Uh, they, you could sit out in the patio in the courtyard. There was a, a shade tree there, and you could. Um, I would do meditation, and then find out what Baba had said when people would come out of the jail. Oh, what did Baba say? I remember there was one brother from Ireland, and this was in the days leading up to me seeing Baba the second time. And um, so when he came out of the jail. Um, I asked him, oh, what did Baba say? I always say it was really interesting. And he, he said that he, he, he complained to Baba a little bit uh, about his wife was med- spending so much time meditating. And he said, Baba, um, can you please say something? Um, I think she should spend more time doing work for the mission and less time meditating. And Baba said to him, and then he said, what Baba said, he said, look, let's suppose that you do eight hours of work and eight hours of meditation. It would be better if you do 10 hours of meditation and six hours of work because your work will have much more impact due to your meditation. And he said, well, uh, so Baba changed my mind about that. And that that had a big impact on my mind Um, in these days leading up to seeing Baba. There was an exacharya uh, who I had met uh, in the U.S. in California while I was in LFT. He was actually the, the first Avadutu who was sent to the U.S. And then he, after less than a year, he left the organization and he married um, Margie's sister there. And I had gotten the address while I was in LFT. And he lived about um, uh, an hour and a half north of the Jagardi in Los Altos. And I had gone to visit him. I wanted to hear Baba's stories. Um, I wasn't particularly impressed by by this ex-data. At least I had a feeling that he had a lot of ego. That may have been just my impression. Um, but it was the impression I got. Um, but I uh, still, I enjoyed the visit. He told some nice Baba stories. So one, a day or two before I was set to go see Baba in the prison, I saw him walking up to, to the jail gate. I'm sitting there under, under the shade tree, maybe about uh, seven or eight meters from the gate. And he's walking up with one, meeting the guards and he gets let in. I said, oh my God, he's got permission to see Baba. How did he, how did he get permission? So I, I was kind of fascinated by that. Um, and then when he left, he just right, got in a taxi and left. But when I got back to the Jagadi, I, I told Ramananda, that, um, wow, you know, um, who I had seen there. And he was kind of shocked. He said, he didn't come to me. 
how he, and it turns out he went directly to the jail authorities and got permission to go in. And so Ramananda told me the next day, before I went to the prison to see Baba, that yes, um, Baba, Baba, I remember, no, I had asked, I had asked this, 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 this ex-dada when he came out, oh, and he was smiling, he was so happy, yes, Baba received me very nicely, and uh, so happy that I got to have Baba's darshan, and then he got in his taxi and left. And Ramananda, the next morning, he told me, oh, yes, I asked Baba, and Baba said, oh, that, that, that good for nothing, but that, I scolded him like anything, and then sent him out of there. <laughs> So um, uh, I, I, I was thinking afterwards, my God, you know, he got to see Baba and even a scolding for Baba for him was such a blessing, was such a joy. Um, so that was uh, a couple experiences I had before I got permission to go and see Baba. The, the next day, I believe it was the next day, um, I got permission along with two deities. Um, Dini Nanda Bratati, uh, who I'm sure you know very well from Australia. And there was another Didi, um, I forget her name. I think she was European. Um, but we got to go, uh, we got our permission together to go see Baba, the three of us. So just before um, I, we, just before we entered, um, and had to go through the, the interview process with the CBI. There were a couple of dadas standing outside talking. And this was common that, that not only I would wait outside the jail to hear what people would say, but often acharyas, visiting acharyas would do the same thing. And I remember one of them addressing uh, the other one. And he, 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 instead of, say if the name is Rohit and you're Dada Rohit, but he would, he put the name afterwards, but instead of saying Rohit Dada, he said Rohit Da. And they were Bengalis. And I thought, I had this fleeting thought in that moment, oh, that's very disrespectful. If, if he's going to put Dada after the name, he should say Rohit Dada, not Rohit Da. And so when we entered the, 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 the Baba's prison cell, when we did Sastang Pranam, the very first thing that Baba said to me, he said, he looked at me and said, you know, Devashish, in Bengali, when you put the Dada after the name, you don't say Rohit Dada, you say Rohit Da. You, court, you cut that last syllable. And... <laughs> I was, uh, of course, embarrassed. I hadn't said anything, obviously, but I was a little embarrassed about the thought that I had had, um, which Baba had, had obviously captured before I went in. So after, after that, um, I was a bit chagrined, but uh, I certainly enjoyed Baba's comment. Um, so Baba talked about a lot of different things. I remember at some point he was talking about old Gondwana land, and, and Mu and I believe Lemuria and the shifting of the continents and um, some things with the civilizations that grew up around that time. And I remember when he was talking about the continental shifts, Baba turned to me and said, and my boy, do you know what the three types of volcanoes are? I said, no, Baba. And then Baba explained what the three types of volcanoes are, which anybody can look up on, uh, on the internet. And, um, uh, then uh, a, a little bit later in the conversation, Baba was talking to Didiananda Bratati, and she asked Baba to give her some advice for 
for when she returned to her posting. At that point, she was um, the rector of the Didi's Mass Unit in West Bengal. I think it was called Ananda Sambodhi, but I'm not sure about that. Anyways, um, this I remember very, very clearly because Baba, uh, I was sitting, I was to the left of Didi. Didi Bratati was in the middle and the other Didi was on the right side in front of Baba's cot. And uh, Baba uh, said, as I heard the Didi, he said, uh, his advice was, first, you should um, put yourself in a, such a position that you can best serve the suffering humanity. Then you should look to your own needs. Then you should look to the needs of others. A little bit later, when we came out of the... Uh, finally, maybe we were there for half an hour, and we came out of the jail, and uh, the daughters asked us what Baba had said, and they would note it down. Uh, Didi uh, told a few things, and Didi said, Baba told me, first you should put yourself in such a position that you can best serve the suffering humanity, then you should look to the needs of others, then you should look to your own needs. And I immediately said, no, I didn't say anything, obviously. But I thought, no, Didi reversed it. That's not what Baba said. Um, but to this day, she insists that Baba said the way she heard it. Um, I heard it differently. And, and that was also a lesson that um, uh, served me well when I would start doing interviews years later uh, for the Jamalpur years uh, about the vagaries of memory. Um, and that even... Um, of course, uh, we may, it, it's also we can say that people hear different things uh, according to what Baba wanted them to hear. But I choose to look at it as simply that sometimes our memory fails us, whether it was my memory or her memory, even uh, 15, 20 minutes after an event occurs. Anyhow, the, the most impactful thing for me uh, in, in that session with Baba and certainly the most impactful thing that had happened to me in my life up until that point um, was just a few minutes before we were getting ready to leave. You know, at the end, we would do Guru Puja. Um, that would be the last thing. Baba would, would give you some prasad and then you, uh, we would leave. Um, I said, Baba, Baba, I have a question. And Baba said, yes. And he kind of sat a little back you know, in a kind of, um, um, you know, a sense, oh, yes, that he's listening. Um, and my question was, uh, Baba, what is the quickest way, the quickest to achieve durasmriti? Um, durasmriti means constant memory. When you get to the stage that you are uh, aware of the presence of God 24 hours a day. And I had been formulating this question uh for at least a couple weeks afterwards, I, I, what I really wanted to ask Baba, what was the quickest way to achieve illumination? Um, but I, I thought, no, that's asking for too much, you know. But if I can just get to Durasmriti, then from there it can't be that far to, to, to Moksha or at least to Mukti. Um, so let me, let me, if I can just get to Durasmriti, you know, I'll, I'll be satisfied with getting there. So I thought, okay, I'll ask Baba that question. 
So Bob kind of sat back a little bit. I, you know, it, it was hitting right up against the cot. So I'm, I'm less than a meter from, from my face, from Baba's face. And um, Baba looked in my eye. Baba reached out his hand and started caressing the top of my head, you know, like a father caress a son. And he looked in my eyes and he said, follow your conscience. And at that moment, just as Baba finished saying those words, I was looking directly into Baba's eyes through the thick lenses of his glasses. And I saw the universe open up. Uh, and I felt that my existence disappearing into the universe. And it was only a fleeting few moments. But in that moment, I felt my existence was about to disappear. And I had a sudden uh, a sharp pang of fear that I was going to be gone. And at that moment, I turned my head from Baba to break the spell. And I, I, I like to, when I tell this story, I like to, t <laughs> sometimes I say, and now I'm, I'm meditating, you know, I've been spending, you know, now 48 years of meditation um, just to try to get back to that point that Baba had brought me to in that moment. But what was so impactful about it was that in those, those fleeting moments, um, when I felt my existence disappearing, I said the universe because I could see the stars and the expanse of the universe, but really it was consciousness. And before that, the idea of God had been a belief. Um, I realized this afterwards, you know, uh, um, uh, it wasn't a direct experience, but in that moment, um, the, I had a direct experience of the essence of Baba's being. And after that, um, it, you know, it's like, you know, you have a flash of lightning and you see the landscape on a dark night. Now, as soon as that, that momentary flash of lightning is gone, then the, you're, you're back in the darkness. And of course, I was back in the darkness immediately afterwards. But for that, those few moments, I had the direct experience and, and everything that we are trying to achieve in sadhana was no longer a belief. It was no longer an, an aspiration. It was real. I just had to uh, be able to get there and get back there again. Yeah, say something now about Dada Chandranath and uh, Chikarananda. And so I'll just tell a uh, um, a short story about Dada Chandranath and his wife. Um, so this was, um, I think, somewhere around 1996. And, uh, and I had started visiting Dada Chandranath regularly at that time. Uh, I didn't yet have the idea about doing the book when the time comes, but I was visiting him frequently and spending spending days with him now um, on a regular basis. And at that time, I, um, two brothers, um, Raj and Hitendra, had come from New York sector, and I was traveling with them, uh, vi uh, videotaping um, the senior acharyas, like we video, video Dadachakan Nandar Nandagar, a number of people have seen those videos. 
And we, um, so I brought them to, uh, and the at that time was staying with, um, his eldest son in Patna. And I, we, we went there and we spent a couple days, um, uh, interviewing Dada, uh, that, that interview and, and a later the one that we did, uh, are both up on YouTube. Um, so people, a lot of people have seen them. So in the, whether it was the first or the second day, I think it was the second day. So we would break for lunch and, and then come back in the afternoon. We did a morning session and afternoon session. So at lunchtime, um, maybe Braj wasn't there, you know, maybe only Hitendra was there. Anyhow, I remember, um, Hitendra and myself and Dada went to do some sadhana on the veranda. And then afterwards we would come in for lunch. And after sadhana, um, I, I had this idea that popped into my mind during sadhana that I wanted uh, a photo of Dada or a little clip of Dada that I could later on put into the video of Dada meditating. So when we finished, we did Guru Puja, and I asked Dada, Dada, can I get just uh, you know a, a little clip of you meditating that we can pro- hopefully use in the video later on? And Dada looked at me and he said, uh, that will be difficult. And I, the first thought that came into my head was, oh, well, he's an old man, tired. I think Dada was maybe 78 at that time. And I didn't say anything, but Dada, you know, he extended his head and he said, no, no. Um, what I mean to say is that um, immediately after um, meditation, it's very difficult to uh, to talk. Uh, you know, your mind needs some time to come down to normalcy. And now we have to go in, we have to, you know, uh, uh, there is some guests there, eat lunch, and then we will do some filming. And then I said, okay, and I, I more or less understood. So I said, Dada, well, um, could we get just a very little, no, I said, Dada, can, can you uh, pretend to meditate? And then he said, oh, no, that is no longer possible. And then I was, I, I, I'm sure the disappointment registered on my face. But uh, then Dada said, well, how long do you, will you need? I said, Dada, if you could do 10 or 15 seconds, that would be, that would be fine. And he thought about it, you know, it was a, quite a long pause. And he thought, well, I suppose 10 or 15 seconds would be okay. And so I, I <laughs> kind of raised an eyebrow. So, okay, good, Dada, great. Um, so Hitendra started rolling. Now, Dada at that point, when he would sit normally, and you can see it in, in the videos, that he, he would be a little bit hunched over, you know, his back would be curved. But as soon as he, he sat in meditation posture, his siddhasana, and he put his hands on his, uh, on his knees, palms upward, his back immediately straightened, perfectly straightened, and his eyes rolled back uh, and so that you could only see the whites of his eyes. And I uh, literally felt like I could feel his kundalini rising. And I turned to Tendra. I didn't say anything, but my mouth was literally open. And I pointed to Dalim 
with an expression on my face, which would say, are you seeing this? And he was with a similar expression on his face of kind of awe. And then, so I'm just after a few seconds passed, um, I said, okay, Dada, that's enough. And it took Dada a full minute before he, his eyes slowly came back to his normal position and his back gradually unstraightened. Um, and it was, I felt a real sense that he was bringing his consciousness down from wherever it was, but it wasn't an immediate process. Um, so then, um, we went in and we filmed our afternoon session. And at the end of the afternoon session, um, uh, the light was, uh, I asked for, uh, if Didi, uh, Dada, Dada's wife, Acharya Rampari Devi, if she could come out, she was in another room and tell some Baba stories. Cause I knew we didn't have that much more light left, um, for the video purposes. Maybe it was like getting on four in the afternoon. And I had, so she came in and she told some Baba stories. She would also sit, you know, with the back um, slightly curved. Um, she was the same age as Dada. She was two months younger. And she was telling some wonderful Baba stories, maybe 25 minutes or so. And this idea came in my head. Uh, um, I remembered this picture of Ramakrishna and Sarada Devi, uh, Ramakrishna's wife, who was also a great saint. There's this famous picture of them sitting on a cot, side by side, uh, cross-legged, uh, looking into the camera. And I thought, my God, if I could just have a photo uh, or a clip of Dada and Didi meditating side by side on the cot, that would be so cool to put that in the video. So Dada and Didi was speaking in uh, Bhojpuri. Um, and I think she was originally from, uh, from Gaia and Dada was sitting on a chair, uh, to the side of the cot to translate for us. So, um, uh, so he trans, I asked Dada, can, we, can you think it would be possible for the two of you to sit on the cot together and just do a little bit of meditation, um, so we could capture that on camera. He looked at me and he said, oh, that will be difficult. Um, and I said, oh, Dada, please, just a little bit. He said, okay, we can try. So Dada was still sitting on the chair. And Didi was sitting, you know, in, in uh, Sukhasana, you know, the, the, the easy uh, legs cross posture. And he said in Bhojpuri to her, which is very similar to Hindi, uh, Didi uh, Devashish wants us to do a little bit of meditation. Immediately, Didi put her legs into Padmasana, into lotus posture, put her hands on her, uh, extended her hands on her knees, palms up, her back straightened. And, no, no, she, she crossed her hands and put in legs to do first lesson and, um, and started meditating. I immediately, no, no, yeah, she put her palms up, sorry. Palms up to do to do Dian. And I immediately said to Didi and Hindi, Didi, please uh, do first lesson. I had a kind of premonition, actually. And that's why I asked Didi to do first lesson. Um, I just, and so she immediately put her hands cr across, uh, interlaced her fingers, put them in the palm uh, of her lap, and she started doing first lesson. 
And within seven or eight seconds, she started, her body started convulsing side to side. She go, bah, 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 bah. and then she fell over in Samadhi. And Dada looked at her and then he looked at me and then he said, you see, I told you it would be difficult. Um, so that's my favorite story about Dada and, and Rampari Devi. Rampari Devi, for those of you uh, who do not know her or did not know her, she was uh, the first female initiate in Ananda Marga. Baba initiated her directly in 1953, late 53, I believe it was. And she became the first female Acharya in Ananda Marga also. Uh, Pranay became the first Acharya that was in end of January, beginning of February of 1955. And then Baba made a batch of five one month later, which included Dada Chandranath uh, and uh, Didi Rampari Devi. Chigarananda. Um, I got to spend a lot of time with Dada um, when I was living in, first I got to know Dada in, in the 70s when I spent uh, a year in Nagar from mid-1977 to, to the time Baba came out of jail uh, in 78. And, um, and Dada gave me my fifth and sixth lesson, and uh, we became good friends at that time. And then in the, uh, I think, late 1993, um, I moved back to India and I lived in Nandangar for about four and a half years. And I live right next to, to um, about 50 meters from Dadachekarananda. So I would see him every day and we would often meditate together. Um, but I'll tell one story from the 70s uh, about Dadachekarananda because he was a big influence on me at that time. So... Um, I think I mentioned earlier when, when I got to Anandagar after seeing Baba the first time, I started doing really intense thought and I had this incredible lesson review. Um, there was one family Acharya who was a childhood friend of Baba's and um, he was um, at that time, he was a doctor, a homeopathic doctor and he was living in Anandagar, um, a quite well-known personality in Anandamarga. And um, so some of his... Um, a, um, tips on meditation uh, were extremely helpful to me. And I started doing sadhana every morning and evening at uh, certain sadhana, sadhana pits, and, which is a place where um, that a tantric had achieved illumination sometime in the past. And Baba pointed out a few of those at Nandagar. And this was one of the tantra pits uh, that he had pointed out. And uh, when I first went to Nagar, got to Nandagar in, in, in summer of 1977, I was staying in Singbum Hostel. And Dada had a room there, and I had another room there. And then, um, and it was about a 20-minute walk towards the train tracks by the river um, to this Tantra pit. Nowadays, it, there's actually a plaque there. And this Tantra pit was uh, a little bit above the river. It was maybe uh, 20, 25 minutes, uh, maybe 20 meters from the river, but elevated at least seven or eight meters. It was a very beautiful spot. And I would go there early in the morning and then in the evening after dusk to meditate. 
And um, so one and Dr. Chikananda, you know, he, he would meditate in his room and he was in the room next door. And one day he told me over dinner, said, Devashish, tomorrow morning I'm going to go with you to um, to the Tantra pit to meditate in the morning. And so I said, Dada, oh, that's great. But Dada, you know, I'm doing long sadhana. You know, I'll do at least two and a half hour sadhana. And they say, yes, no problem. I, I will also do long sadhana with you. I said, okay, great. Let, let us go. So in the morning, whatever, 4.30, something like that, we got, it's dark out. And have our flashlights, and we made the trek uh, across to the Tantra pit to get there before five. This is before the days of Panchajanya. Um, so, but normally people would get up, you know, four or something and, and go for meditation anyhow. So it, it was always nice to arrive when, when it was still dark at the Tantra pit. So um, I, I took my seat right by, by the Tantra pit. There was a tree there. Um, a bell tree. It was a bell tree, I think so. Maybe it's like so cottonwood. In the, the the tradition for 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 yogis in the old days for making tantra pits is they would plant bury five skulls in the ground in a circle, and including uh, supposedly include, including a tiger skull and a jackal skull and a few others, and then they would plant five trees above them in a circle, um, and one of those is a bell tree. Uh, I think a silk cottonwood tree um some doubt explained to me the the technique for making a tantra pit and then uh, and so so this one tree uh, supposedly according to uh the the doubters that had told me about this was the original the other trees had long since died but this was the original tree uh, uh, according to lore um uh, that had from this tantra pit and i believe it was a Baba had said that this was the Jain Tantric who had achieved enlightenment maybe uh, around 10, 11 centuries ago at that place. So, um, so I, I set out my, my blanket there and Dada went down to the river uh, to meditate there. So he was kind of down below me, um, you know, maybe seven meters lower and about 20 meters, dis- 15 meters distance on the bank of the river. And so I started meditating. Time is going on. Maybe an hour, hour and 20 minutes has passed. And I start hearing these sounds. Boom, Baba. Boom, Baba. And it, it broke my concentration a little bit. And by now, it's, uh, it, it, it's already dawn. And so it's getting light out. And I open my eyes. And that is down by the 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 edge of the uh, of the riverbank, a small river, um, and sitting on a boulder. And he has his shirt off, and he's waving his shirt like a fan. And he's sitting there, and every and every you know uh, you know fifteen twenty seconds is punctuated, but he's looking around. And he's saying boom, and then he keeps looking around, and I kind of shake my head and go back and meditate and continue with my lessons. So a little more while goes along, maybe another 20 minutes. Then I hear Dajshikana say, okay, Devashish, that's enough meditation. Let us go back. Okay, <laughs> what can I do? So, you know, I finish up, I do my Guru Puja, and we walk back to the... Um, uh, to the single hostel. Now, 
to finalize the story, uh, I believe it was that uh, the next day, a couple friends from the U.S. were visiting this one couple, uh, and they, I, Dada Mitananda was the rector master at that time, and he was a really great yogi and a, and a, uh, a great friend. And I wanted them to meet Dada. So I brought them. He was staying at the MIT, AMIT building. And I brought them to meet Dada Mitananda. And so they were sitting down conversing. It was outside with Dada Mitananda. And I was sitting around uh, to give them space to have their, their own conversation with Dada. So I sat a few meters away by myself under another tree. And at that, I remember thinking, I was thinking, oh, you know, uh, about the, the you know the, that morning the day before when Dad Chikananda had come out to meditate with me he said um, and I was thinking I you know with my you know young man's ego so Dad really doesn't do that much sadhana you know I, I was doing two and a half hours you know after an hour and a half he wanted to go back and at that moment <laughs> Amitananda he looked over at me and he said and I I just been thinking this he said Devashish you know, it is not the quantity of sadhana that counts. It is the quality of sadhana that counts. And I was shamefaced. He went back to his conversation. And um, I learned another lesson among the many I would have to learn in this life. So I think we'll wrap it up there. Yes, that's, that's, okay? that's great, uh, David.